Hello and a very warm welcome to today's uh, podcast within the podcast series of the FAS Cyprus office. Uh, Beyond the Divide is the title of our podcast series. My name is Hubert Faustmann. I'm the director of the office of the Ebert Foundation in Cyprus. And the topic of today's podcast is hate speech. Hate speech is a term used widely, written widely about, but very few people have a very precise idea what to make of it. It's an it's a extremely widespread phenomenon in the context of social media. And uh, we, as Ebert Foundation, Uh, found three researchers who were interested in hate speech and investigating and researching hate speech as a phenomenon on the divided island of Cyprus, what you should know as, as background knowledge, ever since 1974 as an outcome of conflict between the Greek Cypriots, the Turkish Cypriots, Greece and Turkey and the mother countries. It's a long story we skip here. The island got divided and ever since the Turkish Cypriots live in a non-recognized state or entity, the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus, in the north, and the Greek Cypriots live in the Republic of Cyprus in the south. This division has created different forms of life, different cultures, and maybe also different forms of hate speech. So we wanted to know what's the situation of hate speech on both sides of the divide. Not obvious in the obvious realm, the famous Cyprus problems or the discussion about the dispute, but also other areas as well. So I'm very well happy to welcome today my three researchers and author, authors of the first report, Public Discourses of Hate Speech in Cyprus, Awareness, Policies and Prevention. Julie Aleph Dilmach, she's an Associate Professor in Sociology and an Associate Researcher in Philippol, Sorbonne, Paris. Uh, Orestes Tringidis is a broadcaster at the lemniradio.com, listen to it. And Oeske Kotschadal is Assistant Professor of International Relations at the Cyprus International University. Very well, welcome to all three of you. Hello, everyone. Thanks for my colleagues for this uh, preparing this report, and thank you, Hubert, for this uh, podcast. Let's uh, let's give people what we know and let us be judged. Thank you very much. Hello. Hello, and thank you, everyone. I'm happy to be part of this uh, podcast as well as this project. Yes, thank you for this opportunity. Let's go into it and talk about hate speech in general as a phenomenon to understand what it is and how you understood it for the purposes of your research. So what is hate speech? And is it a crime or an offense that's only committed through words and language or does hate speech also take different forms? Julie, I think you uh, want to take the lead on this one. Yes, Hubert. In fact, uh, it's a very good question. Um, there is no universally accepted definition uh, of hate speech as is it very difficult to define Uh, where speech, free speech ends and where hate speech begins. Um, however, uh, even if there is no definitive and consensual definition, there, two major definitions can be highlighted. So the first one uh, is the one offered by the Council of Europe, which defines hate speech as covering all forms of expression uh, that spread, uh, incite, promote, Uh, or justify racial hatred, xenophobia, uh, anti-Semitism, and other form of hatred based on intolerance. So in fact, according to this uh, definition, uh, hate speech is a broad, extremely negative discourse expressed in the form of aggressive nationalism and ethnocentrism, 
discrimination and hostility against minorities and migrants. Um, there is another um, definition, a much broader definition, which is proposed by the United Nations, uh, arguing that hate speech is any kind of communication in speech, writing, or behavior that attacks or uses discriminatory uh, language with reference to a person or a group on the basis of who they are. So in other words, uh, it's based on uh, the religion, ethnicity, nationality, race, color, and also gender. So this is actually the definition we applied uh, in the project as it covers much more various aspects uh, of hate speech. So um, the, the problem uh, with such discourses uh, is that they constitute a threat to social harmony and even uh, human rights. Um, they divide and categorize individuals, uh, exacerbating differences, most of the time based on wrong assumption or even uh, stereotypes. And they cause a feeling of insecurity in people targeted as hate speech constitutes a direct incitement to violence. So to, to reply to your second question, um, hate speech is not committed through words or language only. It can take, of course, several forms. So although words and language constitute the main aspect of hate speech, the use of metaphors, sarcasm, allusions uh, can also be used in the process of othering. Um, but not only words or comments can convey uh, hate speech, sometimes visual contents uh, are significant and they can also spread negative discourses. So in the report, uh, for instance, in addition to written text or even uh, social media comments, we also analyze some unflattering visual materials such as cartoons which are written with discriminatory uh, discourses about specific group of people, for example, the LGBT or the African population, the migrants. Why is this hate speech, this term and the debate occurred primarily in the context of, of social media? Is this where the main area where hate speech occur? And does your report only cover incidents of hate speech in social media? Well, thanks for the question. Well, social media is uh, it's a, it's only 10 years old. I mean, it's a, it's a new phenomenon, and it's a, incredible how fast it has taken a, a, a nations by off guard. I mean, it's something that transcends and, and, and can enable people from all over the world to communicate without what we knew in, in previous generations where states and authorities could monitor and, uh, and bar sometimes communication. And uh, of course, uh, if you add the layer of anonymity, plus the layer that uh, you only see an avatar, you don't see a human being. So uh, it's an element of dehumanization when you're you're being fitted that huge amount of information, uh, for example, of uh, images such as migrants in, and drowning or uh, invading Europe. And this uh, paradigm is created in your head. Uh, it's natural that social media, hate speech of social media, is, it is a common phenomenon. Uh, although in the recent years, especially, there has been a there have been a initiatives and a real uh, implementation by the main platforms and states to regulate at least. And uh, these are social media, the big platforms like Facebook uh, and Twitter to self-regulate. 
uh, this uh, there is still way to go. It's a, it's a bit of a game of cat, cat and mouse. And as Julie said, sometimes you cannot distinguish where hate speech starts on social media. If, for example, you use, for example, heavy metaphors, but and also extreme sarcasm, maybe you don't spell out the racist slurs, but may might as well your post be very well homophobic, or to in fact do incite. Uh, negative feelings for other people and incite hatred and this hatred can lead to violence and have in mind that uh, on social media uh, you can share something very quick so things like false news for migrants uh, can spread like wildfire maybe fanaticize people in no time uh, so yeah uh, it's a it's a rock and roll situation that is something that currently it is being researched i mean a uh, Social media is uncharted territory because the product just was exposed before being tested 10 years ago. And it, we, we didn't catch up yet on what can incite in, uh, in promoting ideas which are maybe racist or uh, hack them in order to favor a candidate like the Trump situation where it was allegations that uh, the social media were hacked. To, uh, to influence voters to the direction. So uh, like espionage warfare. So that's the thing about social media. So, yes, so uh, that's a characteristic of hate speech on social media. Of course, the basis of hate speech on social media is, uh, and the origin is what was already in the society. Uh, expressions that we expressed in the report, like uh, uh, barbarians, uh, gabur, and uh, metaphors like cockroaches, and, uh, and this attachment to... Uh, the identity politics. Uh, of course, in the everyday conversation, maybe it doesn't take a violent form. Uh, and it's something that people don't think it's wrong to use even derogatory terms or to think like that. Uh, and to answer the second part of your question, no, we, we don't We don't uh, cover only hate speech on social media. We also look at traditional media and uh, where, of course, uh, the, the, the overlap that the, the two have. So... Uh, we collected the incidents that we find from reports from NGOs and also examples that uh, they were hot on social media uh, of hate speech uh, from. So we use, the, we use for example, uh, hate speech incidents by politicians as well. And what then evoked on social media? How was then the discourse on media on the hate speech incident by this politician? Uh, so we, so we, we look from the media and social media perspective of what of also what is happening also on social media and on the public discourse and how it reflects on media and social media. I hope I um, answer your question. You, you did so, and you did so very elegantly because you built me a bridge to now focus more on the actual report you have produced. And let me ask Julie the question, uh, what was really the objective of the report you've written? So, in fact, in this project, uh, we aim to examine the case of hate speech in Cyprus. So, uh, our study offers an uh, analysis of hate speech incident in both the Greek Cypriot and the Turkish Cypriot communities. So, although uh, the two communities differ from one another in terms of their main language, some aspect of their culture and traditions, uh, the two communities uh, seem to have similar patterns of hate speech. So we identified three main uh, nexuses of hate speech on both sides of the island. So the intercommunal, uh, inter-alterity and intergender uh, hate speech. 
So, in fact, the, the very first nexus, the intercommunal hate speech, is both uh, a main cause and a consequence of the ongoing Cyprus conflict. So, as you know, the, the, the de facto division uh, of the island into two entities uh, has hardened the view toward one another. So we thought that probably we could find some uh, hate speech, some intercommunal uh, hate speech. So that's why we, uh, we add this nexus uh, in the project. Um, an, another common pattern across the two communities is that they welcome large and diverse migrant population coming from all around the world. So it's a context uh, that might engender alt inter-alterity discourses. So we observe, for example, that the constant increase in the number of migrants arriving on the island uh, has led uh, some of the native population to have a growing sense of insecurity. So therefore, an inter-alterity hate speech uh, drawing on uh, xenophobia uh, is on the rise. Uh, and finally, the, the third uh, nexus, uh, the intergender uh, nexus. So, uh, as you know, the two communities both belong to the Mediterranean culture uh, in which patriarchal norms still prevail. So, as such, uh, traditional views about uh, gender roles are predominant, uh, as well as sanctioning of individuals who do not conform to orthodox gender norms. So then uh, we presume that there is also an intergender nexus of hate speech on the island, especially perpetrated against those who refuse to perform traditional gender roles. So here uh, we try to analyze the problems faced by a woman, so for example, sexism uh, and LGBTI uh, people. So it's within uh, this context that in this report, uh, we seek to establish uh, the extent of hate speech in the modern Cypriot society. I try to bring Eska into the conversation. Um, Eska, so is this a comparative analysis of the Greek and Turkish Cypriot communities and the incidence of hate speech? Exactly. I mean, uh, it's, it's a comparative analysis in the sense that we compare our uh, perspectives on uh, hate speech. I mean, whether our uh, three-part uh, nexus framework help analyze how hate speech be, is being perpetrated on both sides. And we find lots of similarities, some dissimilarities. Uh, as uh, Julie just mentioned, uh, uh, I mean, uh, we, we find that uh, women, LGBTI community, refugees, international students, and obviously uh, even more, uh, I mean, uh, how, how shall I put it, uh, not interestingly, unfortunately, given the history of Cyprus, but poignantly, we find that the two communities are using a, a hate speech towards each other, towards the other community, the Turkish Cypriots vis-a-vis -vis Greek Cypriots, Greek Cypriots vis-a-vis -vis Turkish Cypriots. And that is embedded in the island's history, the conflict, how two different uh, and actually opposite forms of nationalism developed on the island, the uh, uh, Greek nationalism and Turkish nationalism. 
And uh, on top of that, uh, we also see that uh, authorities' reactions are uh, similar, and some uh, in many cases they, they are rather unaware of what's going on. Particularly, the uh, behavior and the comments posted on social media uh, does not seem to get much uh, attention by the government uh, or official bodies on both sides. Uh, moreover, uh, we find some dissimilarities, such as the role of the church in the south and on the Turkish side, uh, as we probably later discuss, we find that uh, Turkish Cypriots are quite often uh, perpetrating hate speech against Turks from the mainland, which is something we don't actually uh, seem to have in the south, vis-a-vis -vis Greek Cypriots uh, doing that for uh, the Greek mainlanders. In terms of examples, uh, there are some striking ones. Uh, for instance, the uh, certain words being uh, quite often used against the other community. Uh, for instance, in Turkish Cypriot case, uh, Greek Cypriots are often referred to as infidels and sometimes even barbarians. Uh, and these things don't seem to get any attention. Uh, they they are still there on the internet. They are not uh, removed by the uh, website administrations or the Facebook or, or there, there have not been even any publicity concerning these uh, comments. And even uh, policy uh, policymakers, politicians actually, in some cases are doing this. Uh, we find some examples of them using certain words vis-a-vis -vis the other community. Uh, I mean, uh, overall, uh, the picture is a little bit uh, bleak, unfortunately, but still it's important to notice that two communities, though developed separately since the de facto partition, share a lot. And that one of, the, those, one of those things is unfortunately hate speech. They keep perpetrating against each other, against international students or refugees, against uh, gender groups uh, in terms of the LBGTI community and women as well. Just to intersect, it's, it, to me it's very interesting that a, the staunchly secular community like the Turkish Cypriots would insult uh, the other guys as infidels. I find that a bit, a bit as an, an, an odd observation, but uh, interesting. So, so maybe a question to all of us. Ösko already started pointing out some examples, just to give an idea how hate speech looks like and what the terminology is. Maybe you can give us some illustrations of typical cliches and maybe a bit the background to it. Well, uh, if we even the word gavur, uh, gavuris, I mean, for a generation of Turkish Cypriots, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if it is if it is to be used as an insult against the Greek Cypriots. Uh, and so for some, it, it depends on the context of the world. I mean, even on the other example, I mean, if, if someone... Oh, sorry, goes, what does Gavur mean? Gavur is Gavur, means like infidel. Infidel, okay. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense because uh, believing into what? What if someone uh, is not an issue, religion is not an issue? So this insult doesn't make sense. Of course, the intention makes sense and the context makes sense. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. the hate speech is not just the words uh, in isolation. There are words in context and with direction and with intention. Uh, let's always remember that. On the other side, if you want to talk about the, uh, uh, it's not used much anymore to call Turkish Cypriot mullahs. Mullahs is being used for general Muslims, 
I mean, it is not used so much against Turkish Cypriots only in extreme situations, but Mullah, for example, in Arabic is something good. The actual word means a respected uh, Muslim uh, scholar and a spiritual whatever uh, person. I mean, it, it means something good, but in the, in the, it used to be old fashioned English, Mullah as a slight insult against Muslims. And then it, it kind of transferred in a, the Greek Cypriot language. Language is an interesting thing because it's all about hate speech anyway. So uh, these are two examples of uh, historic examples, but also fun facts. These are just some fun facts basically, but it gives you an idea of, uh, gives only an aspect of what hate speech evolved. Uh, I mean, uh, barbarian is another, is another. <laughs> is, I will is add idea. one more actually, uh, pro being pro-Greek, which literally translates in Turkish as rumju, is an insult in uh, Turkish Cypriot dialect. Which, I mean, being pro-Greek shouldn't consider to be an insult, but the way they use it is essentially meaning you are a traitor to your own community, your own ethnicity, and they often use it still. I mean, for instance, in the report we noted that uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Niazi Kuzulyurak, uh, MEP, member of European Parliament. Uh, in his interview uh, he gave to a Turkish newspaper, he notes that in the Turkish Cypriot community, he often been treated as uh, someone who, who is, uh, you know, considered uh, pro-Greek, Rumju, and literally doesn't mean anything uh, in modern Turkish. But uh, in fact, it, it's, a, it's, a hate, it's an uh, example of hate speech because the intention is bad, as Orestes points out. Indeed, no, I, I, also the same what you are saying. People like who are, let's say, have some friendship with the Turkish Cypriot go to the north. There are sometimes being collectively called the uh, Turkophili, Turkophiles, mm -hmm. or uh, Neneki. Uh, is not from yes, yes. Is something older. Uh, various terms which uh, the intention is to frame. Look at those uh, traitors, and if they are traitors, means they are bad. They are bad for you. So hate them. Uh, I'm also not agreeing on calling people who are opposite the ideology of me uh, bad slurs for right-wingers. I, I don't agree with that. I mean, uh, this report put me in, in self-criticism to say such as many, such as many, it's not good to use so this self-criticism. But uh, there are so many examples What exactly what you're saying, mirroring into what the experience we're having here. I'm not in favor of any hate speech. So. And so I assume the, the term barbarian, which is used by all sides in the conflict, um, is an oddity, yeah, in that sense that everybody thinks of the other as the barbarian and himself as civilized, which logically is mutually exclusive. Um, but that's probably just a common example of hate speech, right? Yes, I mean, uh, I mean, go on, Osgir. The, the same origin of the word barbarian, if you want to go geek, was first used in antiquity to describe people from Carthage, Carchidona, who they didn't speak Greek and their language sounded like bar, bar, bar. So it first started specifically attacking the people of Carthage as a hate speech against them, those who don't speak Greek. Then it transferred to anyone who doesn't speak Greek of any region. Then it transferred to anyone who is not Greek. Paz min Elin Varvaros, whoever is not Greek is a barbarian. It's an ancient, the ancient stanza. And it didn't mean, in the antiquity, it wasn't necessarily bad. I mean, the, the word barbarian wasn't necessarily bad because it means he doesn't speak Greek. It's okay, he's a barbarian. But then it turned out to be bad. And we come in thousands of years later, 
So, uh, who is the barbarian, the evil other? We, in the report, we uh, we put also some theory, some primer of the process of, uh, since we are into it, of uh, othering. First, create is us and them, uh, taking some selected characteristics, and then apply copy-paste to all individuals. So, humans are not individuals anymore. There are numbers, there are umbrella characteristics in terms of hygiene or metaphors like animal. And we have to uh, please look into the bibliography because if it wasn't the works of uh, of, of, of Bider, of, also the history of Trimiclinodis, if it wasn't for them works to give context already into hate speech and also to, there's still much more uh, research needed to be done to analyze uh, on social media, hate speech on social media. And that's a big bet where a lot of money is invested in artificial intelligence, but also that's a big debate. I mean, uh, how much do you want to curb in order to to stop this, uh, to, to not to put curbs also on free speech? There are different paradigms of, of how to curb uh, hate speech on social media. We have paradigms from totalitarian uh, regimes who just put an umbrella term and they cut all speech and they, they fix the problem. Uh, there are also laws that can be abused sometimes in order to to curb political, uh, to, uh, I mean, a legitimate opposition. Uh, so yeah, so that's the, the battles that are being fought every day. Uh, so, earlier you mentioned the three nexuses, the intercommunal nexus, the inter-authority nexus, and the intergender nexus. But uh, in the report is also the other incidents are discussed that are related to an additional context, which are specific to each community. As far as the Greek separate community is concerned, is concerned, it's the role of the church. For the Turkish secrets, is the interkin dimension of uh, hate speech. Could you please explain those two additional dimensions? Yes, certainly. Uh, first of all, we cannot talk about the church unless we give some context about what the Church of Cyprus, the Autocephalus Church of Cyprus uh, is, the, the Orthodox or the Orthodox faith. First of all, is the more is the most ancient and the conti continuously living institution on the island. Uh, that that's a fact. Uh, history goes from the from the early stages of Christianity and history and or and claimed the authority of orthodoxy on the island since then. So it's a very important element of uh, the Christian identity. Now, what historically. Greek meant or Byzantine meant of Rum, Romnios meant all these kind of identities. It doesn't matter. We come to the to the here and now, where the Church of Cyprus uh, is uh, ingrained uh, in the identity. It, it doesn't matter if you believe in the spiritual aspects or if, if the if you believe there's a God or no. It's something you cannot escape. It's something that uh, shaped uh, uh, the folklore, uh, art, uh, expression. Uh, the hopes of the nation and the hopes of the people. So people and people don't realize how much uh, uh, is part of the identity, because there is something people exactly feel natural that the church exists and is there. This uh, extends uh, into uh, what uh, we, we were talking about social media. I mean, the, the latest crazy technology to a thousand years of institution. How, and you, we, we didn't talk about regulating social media. How do you? Uh, regulate, for example, uh, hate speech coming from uh, the uh, the leaders of the Church of Cyprus. I mean, uh, it is a hot potato. I mean, uh, there we have there have been cases where the Attorney General uh, wouldn't go on in examples of of clear hate speech uh, of coming from the Archbishop or from other bishops. 
and they, they will say, um, the, the Attorney General will actually say, you know what, for the sake of public interest, I repeat, for the sake of public interest, I will not go on and uh, and forego on with the case. Uh, so the, the so that's the one the, that's the one aspect of how does the uh, uh, what limitations can you effectively put uh, with the Church of Cyprus because they just let the church get away with it because it just is the for those who don't know is the richest maybe one of the richest institutions as well richest uh, on the island and the big landowner why we came to this point uh, where the church has uh, so much power. In the 21st century, we can thank the Ottomans and the British who gave so much power to the Church of Cyprus because before the Ottomans came, the Church of Cyprus was number two, first with the Catholics. Then the Church became the tax collector for the Ottoman Empire, but it kept the people together. It kept them, it was their only beacon. This is how much the Turkish Cypriots don't understand because maybe you, the last generations had circular education. We hadn't. The, the, the general population of, of the, the Greek civil society, we didn't have circular education. The church and religion was in our basically everyday, uh, everyday life. And uh, the religious feast was a big thing. And we always had priests around us coming for confessions. Something that for you is changing maybe in the north, maybe uh, because of the, uh, their influence by the Erdogan's government to maybe put more Muslim uh, culturally and in the education system in the northern part of Cyprus, but this is something we lived for generations. So uh, in our head, the infidel and the other, the Muslim who was from the other God, I mean, uh, on the one side, there was the, um, the, 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 the great message of Christianity for love and loving all human beings, but on the other side, we grew with, okay, the other is a Turk who has a different religion. And we are told our religion is important for us. So on the other, who is the Turk, who is not the Ottoman, is a Turk, so we don't know how the identity changed, who is the other, who is also a different religion, must be uh, something very bad. And there is no memory that one generation ago, there were mixed villages who where the religion was not an issue. So we are talking about uh, enhanced the uh, uh, general uh, talking we're talking about hate is something that is enhanced uh, through the years and uh, forgetting the, the symbiosis of the two communities and religions one generation ago it, it's something that also we need to consider uh, so your question about the church of Cyprus uh, is a, is a very perplex how do you regulate and how I mean I, I think I gave only one small aspect I'll be 15 minutes. Uh, this can be a long conversation. Is there something more specific you want to ask about the church? No, I think you've covered it. It's basically, I mean, you you hinted at examples. I think it's homophobic discourses uh, that were prominent in the in the press when when Bishop uh, made very very weird had a very weird theory how homosexuality comes about given the <coughs> sexual techniques used by the mother during the pregnancy, uh, which which created a lot of public outcry. Yeah, yeah. So so. We leave it at that for the for the for the sake of uh, yeah sanity. Uh, Oscar, the the interkin dimension is, I think, something you wanted to elaborate on. Exactly. I mean, this is something more specific to Turkish Cypriot community that uh, they use certain uh, uh, negative terms for mainland Turks who are uh, on the island, and the relationship between the Turkish Cypriot community and Turkey is quite complicated, obviously, uh, given that, uh, I mean, there have been some uh, 
uh, recent uh, clashes of opinion, let's say, which I shall exemplify. But let me begin with mentioning that there are certain words they use against Turks uh, in, in the Turkish Cypriot community, such as the blackbird bearded Turks, Gajo, uh, Fija, and the black bearded means uh, in Turkish, Karasakal. You will see these things coming up often in the negative news concerning a Turkish person who, who is living in Cyprus. If particularly they commit a crime and that is being reported on social media or by news websites, you definitely find these terms, these negative terms mentioned. And uh, there is even a striking example of a cartoon. Uh, there's a boat of people arriving on the island and they all look like Turks. Uh, they all have pointed uh, moustache. Uh, of course, that's a caricature. But uh, he and they also carry certain weapons like swords, uh, a, a handgun, uh, a baseball club, and a knife. These people are basically portrayed as uh, coming to uh, coming to Cyprus for the sake of committing crimes, and you obviously get the impression that. Those are not uh, foreign tourists, but those are uh, mainland Turks. And this generated a controversy, actually. Some political parties criticized the cartoonist, Utku Karsu. Some supported that, uh, supported his point, and arguing that this is within the parameters of free speech. And another incident, a very striking one, I'm going through incidents because I believe they will help us uh, see the uh, context and uh, what's uh, the point much more clearly, uh, how Mr. Erdogan, president of Turkey, ended up in a quarrel with a Turkish Cypriot newspaper, Africa. And when Africa was criticizing his uh, intervention in Syria and referring to it as another invasion, that uh, triggered a reaction by Mr. Erdogan uh, calling on his uh, brothers in Cyprus to intervene. And there has been a protest. In, in there, there was a protest in front of the newspaper's main office. Then uh, this was, of course, being reported on social media again. And there were very negative uh, terms used by both Turks and Turkish Cypriots vis-a-vis each other. Basically, they keep claiming that uh, the other side is ignorant or in, in case of Turks, the other side, the Turkish Cypriots are not being uh, patriotic enough and they are, uh, re- uh, I mean, not supporting Turkey, etc. I mean, I, I could uh, exemplify some things, but I rather not. There are basically quite uh, negative terms used, which we try to give some examples in the text. Definitely, this is something specific, more specific to Turkish Cypriot community, and it revolves all around the dependency Turkish Cypriot community developed over the years uh, towards Turkey. Uh, and you, you see that uh, in other cases as well, like when uh, they debate how to grant citizenship in, in the north, uh, whether more people will be allowed to become Turkish Cypriots, uh, uh, I mean, you see the reaction of the public arguing that Turks are in general ignorant, etc., and they shouldn't be allowed to migrate to North Cyprus anymore. And eventually, this reflects itself also in the uh, uh, 
religious divide. I mean, Turkish Cypriots are known to be quite secular, whereas uh, most mainland Turks in general are relatively conservative, I would say. But uh, this creates some tensions between them because uh, whenever we see uh, Turks uh, doing uh, something like opening a school Uh, which has more religious curriculum uh, that is seen as uh, an intervention by Turkey for the sake of making the Cypriots more conservative. And just below the news articles uh, mentioning these uh, mentioning this school, you then see again both Turks and uh, Turkish Cypriots uh, using uh, hate speech against each other. So what I'm trying to point out is This cannot be taken out of context. This, def- this is definitely something political, and it's getting probably even more serious uh, as Turkish Cypriot community be- becomes more dependent on Turkey economically and politically. Uh, although that is not our uh, scope for the sake of this report, uh, that becomes quite apparent as we go through various examples of hate speech. So what are the regulations in both parts uh, of Cyprus? to tackle hate speech? And how effectively are authorities on both sides acting on incidents of hate speech? Uh, the Republic of Cyprus, as a member of, uh, of the European Union, uh, it was a, it, its obligation to align uh, with, uh, with the EU uh, guidelines and uh, in, in regards to human rights. Uh, especially in the last uh, few years, uh, there has been progress uh, in new legislation passed against the homophobic speech. Uh, what we have in terms of uh, of uh, legislation, I mean, actual laws, there are some gaps in the laws. For example, the the uh, the fine uh, ca- that can be imposed on uh, homophobic, for example, hate speech versus a fine that can be imposed on other forms of hate speech, or uh, on whether or on homophobic hate speech, for example, again, against LGBTQ uh, people uh, can have the same uh, treatment uh, in the law in terms of uh, where is the the way of proof, for example, versus hate speech on other cases. Uh, currently, uh, there are NGOs on the island, which we thank them very much for, for their work, who are uh, doing a, a work in regards to a recording hate speech because one of the weaknesses of the of the implementation uh, of the law is is that it cannot uh, sometimes hate speech cannot be identified by for example the police officer and if it cannot be identified or if it's not reported for example if the victim is disempowered and there are no provisions in the actual mechanism the legal, legal mechanism to provide support to victims of hate speech or or racial violence because they're in a disadvantaged position position then uh, the victim wouldn't uh, report hate speech so a lot of it goes unreported so on the level of legislation there need to be improvements and uh, and there need to be more consultations with the ngos and to improve the collaboration between authorities and the ngos they're on enemies to 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 for the legal level uh, if you go to the very front of the implementation of the law uh, there should be more training to social workers and asylum uh, and the workers working in for that for the asylum uh, divisions uh, there should be more training in uh, and in terms of uh, not implementing the law i mean uh, we have seen examples where the attorney general because uh, that's maybe another weakness that uh, many times the final say uh, i mean that the basically the, the attorney general can veto 
in the in going on with investigation or prosecution uh, of, a, of a hate speech uh, incident. And we had uh, the f- few incidents from the Church of Cyprus were quite grave. I mean, uh, we had the example from a bishop of Morfu where it, it said that uh, homophobic hate speech, let's not repeat that, where the uh, we had other examples too, where uh, the attorney general said we wouldn't uh, go on and prosecute the uh, hate speech. And we still, and finally, uh, because they're relatively new laws, there haven't, haven't been cases. You need to have some landmark cases where the law can be implemented in the, in the court, uh, uh, in the court system. So there can be exemplar uh, court cases where Basically, that they put the foreground for more cases to come. I mean, if it's we're gonna have one good case, then more people will feel encouraged that their case will uh, will meet merit in the equal merit in the in the legal process. What's the situation in the north? Uh, it, it, it's a little bit different uh, in terms of law. The uh, legislation in the north is not in line with international conventions, given the fact that the TRNC is not uh, part of any international uh, conventions or, or a member of the EU. Uh, however, there are ways of uh, dealing with uh, incidents uh, under the defamation law particularly, but I, we haven't come across any example of successful litigation. There could have been some uh, trials but uh, I, I looked at it, looked for it, and couldn't come across any successful case of litigation. But still, uh, on the media sphere, uh, there are some efforts, and there are two bodies we can mention who are regulating uh, the media. I mean, one is the official one, which is the uh, Supreme uh, uh, Council of Broadcasting, and it, it, it is actually a government body. And it regulates the media broadcasts, particularly the TV and radio programs. And when you look at its broadcasting principles, which are part of the legislation actually uh, uh, founding this uh, institution, you see that uh, there are certain clauses barring any incitement for hatred on the basis of sex, religion, and so forth. So that could be used as... uh, as a mechanism against hate speech, and it, it is sometimes, but it's only rarely. I The only examples I, we could find out were the ones concerning some hate speech targeting uh, Turks or Turkey in general, that this council, the Supreme Council of Broadcasting, actually warned the TV and the radio station that, uh, I mean, what they are doing is a violation of the broadcasting principles. Along with that institution, there is also another one. This one is more actually voluntary. It's uh, formed by journalists and academics. It's called uh, Media Ethics Board. And in that case, individuals can actually petition uh, on part of uh, some associations, which actually some LGBTI communities did. And and the uh, media ethic boards usually uh, warns the media outlets, whether it's a newspaper or a t- TV station, that they what they are doing is again uh, inciting hate speech. In their case, actually, they are more specific about hate speech, and they have even something called Internet News Journalism Declaration, which uh, basically calls on the uh, 
uh, you know, news media outlets to avoid any form of hate speech specifically. However, I must note that particularly the later institution, the Media Ethics Board, does not carry any legal authority. It can only warn. It's a voluntary organization. The other one can find the TV stations and uh, uh, the radio stations, but it rarely actually uh, looks at uh, hate speech incidents, unless, as I said before, it concerns, uh, in general, Turks or Turkey. So uh, the legislation is not fully complete in, in, in the North, I mean, because even the lack of uh, TRNC's dealings with international community, let's say, although there is some legal framework under the defamation law, but in terms of the regulation of the media, there are two important bodies which we can mention, and these two bodies are, uh, I would say, occasionally doing their job, but they are also getting blamed for doing their job because in the incident concerning uh, the hate speech about uh, Turks and Turkey in general, the, the Supreme Council of Broadcasting was blamed by some journalist associations that it's actually working as a censorship organization, trying to basically limit the free speech. And uh, similar things happen with, in, in, with the media ethics board. The media outlets who are in the receiving end of the warnings usually don't uh, take any heat and they simply refuse to accept their uh, quote-unquote uh, crime, let's say. It's not a crime, obviously, in some cases. It's just simply a violation of uh, good uh, media ethics but uh, they are not aware of the problem. Hence, the reaction is uh, not really uh, helpful. I mean, I would say uh, the media bodies need to do a lot more in terms of educating journalists and raising awareness concerning hate speech. They are doing some, there are some efforts. We noticed that they have actually, at some point, uh, had some... Uh, some uh, educational activities, plus uh, they also published the uh, issue of their uh, association magazine devoted totally to racism and hate speech in media, but it has stopped there, basically. There has not been much progress. The, these things have to be happening on more regular basis, and uh, I'm not here to advocate they should have a mechanism for censorship or uh, the enforcement should be much more forceful in terms of fines being higher and there could be even uh, prison sentences. No way. Of course, that will be beyond the uh, objectives of this report, exactly the opposite of what we would normally argue. But I am much in favor of, and I, I believe my colleagues will agree, there has to be some form of self-control. People should be aware of the problem, particularly journalists, and hence they should exercise self-restraint. They should try to avoid hate speech. But we don't see that happening, unfortunately. That tells us that there is a serious problem concerning, uh, raising, uh, concerning the awareness of hate speech. I, I, I believe this applies to both sides, actually. The, Orestes will probably confirm that's the case uh, in the South as well. 
let's let's bring on the issue of awareness, but also let's bring in Julie on that issue. Um, you're talking about awareness in the report. You demand awareness amongst the journalists. How does how's the, how's the degree of awareness with with ordinary secrets? Do they consider hate speech a problem? Um, so. Uh, it's a very good question again. Uh, when you are talking with Cypriots and when you are asking them what do they think about hate speech, you can understand that the, the concept is not that clear uh, for them. In fact, uh, it's even not uncommon uh, to hear from Cypriots that there is no such thing in Cyprus, you know, when speaking of hate speech. Uh, so, in fact, um, this is a clear sign of the level of widespread unawareness about the concept. So that's why education, I think it's very important, as uh, Sker uh, mentioned uh, earlier. So in our analysis uh, of social media comments, we, we noticed, for example, that some users of the Turkish Cypriot community, they were using the terms Arabs. Uh, to designate the African population and even sometimes uh, the Afro-Cypriots. So even though uh, the individual might not have the intention to openly discriminate against minorities, let's say, this attitude is in fact discriminative and leads to hate speech. As here, for example, uh, in this example, various populations who have nothing in common uh, are put in the same basket. So their ethnic, cultural, but also personal uh, characteristics are ignored. So ordinary Cypriots, they seem to have only a slight awareness uh, of the, the problem. Uh, but fortunately, uh, in both communities, uh, as my colleagues uh, mentioned, uh, there are some institutions, official bodies, uh, but also NGOs that make a lot of efforts uh, to raise awareness and even to tackle public hate speech uh, in Cyprus. So as Oscar said, uh, we can cite, for example, the Supreme Council of Broadcasting, uh, which is an official body involved in monitoring the application uh, of the ethical code uh, by media outlet in the northern part of Cyprus. We have the, uh, another important body, the Media Ethic Boards, uh, so it's a non-governmental organization uh, which prepared the Journalism Code of Conduct and the Internet News Journalism Declaration in order to guide uh, Turkish Cypriot uh, journalists. Um, in another, let's say, uh, level or let's say in another area, we have institutions involved in the prevention of hate speech uh, against LGBTI, so the Queer Association of Cyprus. So there is a slight uh, awareness of the problem uh, at the, uh, let's say, meso level, but institutions, they try to tackle uh, the problem. So there are some efforts. Okay, sounds not too bleak and bleak at the same time. Um, so there's some hope in a way, the dynamics of improvement. So Exactly. So, so uh, maybe to end this podcast on the, on the, on the recommendation, issue what can be done what are your recommendations for maybe authorities and the people to improve the situation and um, minimize hate speech and also uh, maybe improve the prosecution of hate speech 
Actually, we try to compile a list of suggestions, and they usually concern some long-term and short-term uh, goals, like uh, Cypriot authorities on both sides need to uh, make the educational curriculum, I mean, the education much more inclusive and multicultural, because generations of Cypriots have grown up in a uh, divided island, unfortunately, and uh, They are not. Uh, they, they are not ready for a multicultural, internationalized environment, which the world is becoming increasingly. Cyprus is part of the European Union. It's a refugee hotspot, if I can put it that way. There has to be some efforts by the authorities to educate the public, and particularly the school children. About the school children, I'm sorry that the, 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 they are going to live in a multicultural environment. On top of that, uh, there has to be a lot uh, con done concerning uh, uh, raising awareness, as we mentioned before. There are some efforts. We, we, we actually reported about them in the report, particularly by the LGBTI community. Uh, for instance, in the North, they even had some Uh, uh, billboard posters uh, raising awareness about the LGBTI community and uh, fighting against hate speech but then they became targets of uh, hate uh, crime actually because these uh, posters were uh, taken down in some cases and graffiti was put on them so that tells us that the, the campaigning uh, concerning raising awareness has, has to go on and should be done in a more uh, robust, let's say, and uh, forceful way. By that, I mean, this has to be done regularly. This has to be done more widely. On top of that, more training is needed uh, for the police force uh, and other law enforcement agencies in, in both parts of the island, because there is definitely under-reporting going on, and they are not really quite competent in reporting hate speech. They, they are basically usually missing the point. And uh, we, we end up with a situation that we don't even have proper statistics about hate speech incidents or in general hate crime, I would say. And uh, this is mainly due to the fact that the uh, prosecuting authorities, as well as the law enforcement, are lacking uh, proper training on hate speech. And that also has to be tackled uh, by bringing uh, Cyprus more in line with international conventions and norms. Uh, moreover, uh, the media has a, a job to do has a job to do on both sides. They have to improve their regulatory framework. By that, we are not calling for them to impose fines and sanctions on uh, media outlets, but uh, they have to be. Uh, they have to become a community which is more aware of hate speech. That way, if the individual members of media know, their, uh, know the uh, consequences of their uh, selection of words, for instance, or how the news articles should be reported in a way that does not harm any sensitivities or does not discriminate any social group, Uh, the the quality of the news will be much better and they, we, they will definitely tackle the hate speech. At the moment, they are not doing a good job. They have some bodies, we mentioned them on both sides, but uh, 
this hasn't yet reflected on the actual practice. So they have to keep doing their uh, monitoring and they have to raise the awareness uh, within the media community. I mean, these are uh, the, our basic recommendations uh, and we, we believe that particularly uh, more social campaigns regarding raising awareness uh, in Cyprus concerning hate speech is needed because as Julie was just mentioning a while ago, ordinary Cypriots are quite often unaware uh, of hate speech. And if you don't see something as a problem, of course, you don't tackle it. Thank you, Eskaz. Is there anything, Julia or Orestes, you want to you add with respect to policy recommendations or any other aspect? Uh, no, thank you very much. The only thing I want to add is that the NGOs and authorities need to work together. The NGOs, they do collect, they are on the ground, they do collect information, they are there to help. It's for the benefit of everyone to eradicate hate speech. Let's not forget that we are a migrant people. I mean, a Cyprus, half of the Cyprus has emigrated. As we don't want our relatives to face discrimination where they go and to be called names, because their skin is a bit darker. We don't want to exercise this kind of practice also on the island. Authorities and NGOs, they need to work together at all levels for the education level, for the legal level to uh, improve the legislation, improve its application and to be able to deliver training through, throughout uh, the public mechanism and in education. I think that's a very good way to end our podcast on public discourses of, public discourses of hate speech in Cyprus a report written by Orestes Lingidis, Oskar Kotschadal and Julie Alev Dilmach. Um, it's about awareness, policies and prevention on both parts of the divided island. Thank you so much the, to the three authors of the report. You can find the report, a long version and a policy recommendation, a policy paper on our website, fescypress.org. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Please tune in and listen to other podcasts. They're available on all major podcast providers within the series of the FES Cyprus podcast Beyond the Divide. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you hear from us soon and hope you listen to us soon. Goodbye and thank you again to my three authors. Goodbye. Thank you to all thank of you. you. And, thank and you. And to all the people who are working to eradicate hate speech. Thank you so much. <laughs>